TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Busy day in college football. Uh, Alabama big winner. Clemson sneaks by, gets a victory. A little earlier today, Michigan got back to doing what Michigan was supposed to do. Uh, an overmatched Rutgers squad that they dismissed to get their season back on track. But has it already gone off the rails? We've got one of the uh, foremost authorities on the University of Michigan football. He's been up there covering them around the program, did a book uh, years ago about Michigan football and thought it was time to do another. His uh, newest effort, Overtime, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at the crossroads of college football, uh, put out by William Morrow earlier this month. Author John U. Bacon joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you tonight, John? Uh, no complaints, Jody. How about you? Good. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on board. Oh, my pleasure. What made you decide, all right, this is the year to do the book? You did all your interviews. You did all your work for the book. You put it together during the 2018 season and afterwards. What told you that that was going to be the best time frame to do so? Because you've been around this program for a long time. Yeah, I'd say a few things. Uh, one, Harbaugh was still basically a two-dimensional character nationally based partly on the very brief and, uh, and quiet uh, press conferences. I also thought the players, as the college ball is more and more controversial, pay players, don't play players, CTE, concussions, and so on, I wanted to get to know the players and find out what it feels like to them. Is it worth it to them? Are all the sacrifices and the risks, do they all add up? I also want to find out the, about how the machine of college ball works at almost any big-time program. And for that, I interviewed the 67 full-time staffers who work inside the football building. These folks put in 100 hours a week every week as nutritionists, strength coaches, trainers, you name it. So for those three reasons, I wanted to dive into it. And, of course, also in Michigan's case, I felt that Harbaugh himself was at a crossroads, let alone the sport itself. So I think uh, the first one certainly has proven true, and the second one probably is true as well. The way you described the working inside the football building, the 67 employees, those who were there, it sounds like Jim Harbaugh is the CEO of a major Fortune 500 company that is the <laughs> University of Michigan. Is he a good CEO? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, he's gotten his staff in the way he wants the last two or three years. Uh, the machine does hum. There's no question about it. And I've got to believe, you know, Dabo Sweeney at uh, Clemson, of course, Saban at uh, Alabama, all these guys are basically CEOs. And I do think that football, more than any other sport, and I'm mainly a hockey guy as far as coaching and playing goes and so on growing up, um, football still breaks down more like a corporation than any other sport out there, more than basketball or baseball or anything else. So by and large, it's very good at hiring the right people, managing them, and so on. The flip side is ultimately all that really matters, of course, is what you do in the field. And last week's game against Wisconsin was one of the worst I've seen. Uh, the flip side is today, of course, against Rutgers, they're – Seem to be back on track, but you'll find out a lot more next weekend against Iowa. Yeah, that'll be a good test. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Jim grabbed some headlines by talking about how difficult it is to compete if you don't cheat. And what he was referencing was actual paying of players. In your book, it talks about a conversation you had with 
uh, Rashawn Gary, who was one of the top nation's uh, prospects a couple of years ago, and he chose to go to the University of Michigan, even though there were reasons to potentially go elsewhere. Tell us a little something about those reasons. Sure. Well, the headlines, Jim got were from the book, I'm pleased to say, I guess. <laughs> uh, the chapter is titled, Hard to Beat the Cheaters. Jim and I were discussing all the ways that uh, teams cheat, which you know these stories too, I'm sure, Jody. You can't, you don't have to look for these stories for them to uh, wash up on your shore unbidden. But, of course, the credit cards, uh, money, through, money through the churches, uh, giving mom and dad a job with the city or the county but not the school. Casino chips are a new one. And my new favorite is uh, the loaner car program. If you're a good player, go find a jalopy somewhere, drive it up to the Mercedes-Benz dealership, and, uh, and ask for a loaner car while they try to find parts, of course, for your broken-down truck. Could take two, three, four years, Jody, to find those parts, or the day after you blow your knee out, one of those two. So we are kind of joking about this, and Jim just said uh, with an offhand remark, well, hard to beat the cheaters. And it was not being too serious about it, but uh, to, did not name any coaches, leagues, or programs, and re- referring to recruiting only, not on the field. Uh, but that's what he's talking about, and I think the point is – well taken. The NCAA has no stomach for this whatsoever. And one of the proofs of this is uh, Rashawn Gary. I talked to him as well. He's now, of course, a first-round pick for the Green Bay Packers, doing pretty well up there. Uh, but I asked him, I said, hey, the worst-kept secret around this town is that Clemson, offered, uh, a program, offered you a, a lot of money to go to their school. And, uh, and he waved his hand and said, man, it was more than that. It was more than money. It was more than one school. And Without naming the schools, he, uh, he kind of laid it out like that. And I said, why would you come to Michigan? And the answer is dyslexia. His mom got him in a program when he was in seventh grade. She's always been very serious about it. If he ever got a C, he would never be allowed to, uh, to play football that weekend. And, uh, and that worked on him. So at Michigan, he took four classes a semester, three, three semesters a year, and was academic all big ten two years. But you can't get many guys like that otherwise. So uh, that's been an issue uh, for that. The flip side is Jim is making no excuses, and that must be said. And he wants to beat everybody anyway, no matter what they're doing. So, uh, and no one's saying that Ohio State's beaten him because of cheating. They've beat him flat out for nothing uh, four years in a row. So, let's be clear about that. The name of his book is Overtime Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at the Crossroads of College Football. The author, John U. Bacon, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's do a little uh, Jim Harbaugh life tracking. He played in college. He went to the NFL, played for several different teams, played pretty damn well, as a matter of fact. 14 years, yeah. Went back, did a little coaching in the pros, took his act to college, had success at a couple different programs in college, went back to the pros, became the head coach of the Niners, went to the Super Bowl, and then decided he would go back to his alma mater at the University of Michigan. Is Jim Dunn moving? Great question. Um, of course, it's hard to predict the future, and you're kind of a fool to try, I guess, but here I go. Uh, all indications that I have uh, in Ann Arbor, uh, Jim's four kids, uh, all young, all go to his former grade school. That's by design. His house is three or four doors up from Bo Schimbecker's old house. That is not an accident. And his parents, Jack and Jackie, about 80 years old now, um, they were living in Milwaukee at Marquette University, when Jim got the job in Ann Arbor, and they could have stayed there or moved to Baltimore with John Harbaugh and his family, or Athens, Georgia with Joni and her husband, Tom Crean, the Georgia basketball coach. But they chose to move to Ann Arbor. They built a house in Jim's backyard, and they're still there babysitting Jim's kids. So 
on that basis, I'm thinking that he's going to be in Ann Arbor for quite a while, but the Tempestor's business, and who knows. But I'll also say that the AD, Ward Manuel, he's got the only vote that matters, and right now the vote is squarely in Jim's corner, one to nothing. So the fans may grumble about Ohio State and certainly about last weekend's Wisconsin game, which, again, is one of the worst I've seen um, in a while. Uh, but nonetheless, I think his job is quite secure. Fair enough. And I would read the tea leaves from afar. You have a much better read, a much closer read than I do. But from afar, I would uh, read them the same as you. But let's play the hypothetical game, which us talk show hosts like to do a lot. You actual writers uh, try and stick the facts and insights and uh, information. <laughs> we kind of make it up as we go along. Uh, they get beat by Ohio State again this year. And then next year, they lose to Ohio State again. And you can't just put it on Urban Meyer. And no. uh, he's not, now lost to Urban Meyer's replacement two years in a row. Is that one nothing vote going to be locked in one nothing for the next four, five, six years? Or is Jim Harbaugh, like every other coach in America should be, uh, if the ultimate success is not achieved, then he's got to worry about his position? I would say great question, and it's entirely possible. I mean, Ryan Day at Ohio State with a new quarterback, those guys have not missed a beat. There is one dominant team in the Big Ten and yet again, and yet again that team is Ohio State. Uh, there's no escaping those facts, I don't think, at least not right now. Um, so I'd say this. I would say that if the stadium is still full, if the team is still doing well academically, they've been top five under Jim all four years, uh, there's still no scandals and all that, if they're still competitive, Ward wouldn't wiggle. However, the fans would be loud by the time you go in six. At that point, Jim might decide it's not that pleasant. And, of course, he's still getting NFL offers all the time. So my take there would be I still can't see Ward Manuel firing him. But Jim might decide at that point six years is enough and NFL could come calling. The odds of that increase, I still don't know, though. And I, I still have a hard time seeing Jim Harbaugh as competitive as he is leaving Michigan without beating Ohio State. So I think God's increase with that model that you described, but I'm still not convinced it's more than 50-50. Fair enough. All right, let me give you my biggest critique of Coach Harbaugh. Now I'm a fan. Uh, I think he's a very good coach. I think he's a motivator. I think he's smart. I think he uh, gets the most out of his players. But here's my biggest critique. He's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. He was a very good NFL quarterback. He did what he did at Stanford with the, uh, their top quarterback. He came to Michigan. Maybe he made a misevaluation on the quarterback that they have right now and thought he could be a quote-unquote franchise college quarterback. My money, he's not. Is that going to decide Jim Harbaugh's uh, future? Is it? Could it be a year or two? Could it be five? Could it be ten more on top of this? that's more of a possibility if he can get that superstar quarterback. He hasn't been able to identify and recruit that kid since he got there. Can he? Great question, and i got to give you full credit, Jody. I know you're in New York, but you've clearly kept your tabs on Michigan and college football. (laughs) Uh, So bravo, my friend. I would not be able to pull this off on the New York Giants, I guarantee you that. So uh, you win that round. But uh, I'll say a few things. His reputation as the quarterback whisperer, I think it was very well earned at San Diego, Stanford, of course, um, Andrew Luck, uh, Kaepernick with the Niners. At Michigan's first year, he had a guy named Jake Rudock, who was a backup quarterback from Iowa and a transfer. 
And in one year, he became a very good quarterback, won 10 games, and he's still in the NFL. Uh, so in that case, it worked. Um, the next year, 2016, it largely worked with Wilton Spate. Uh, the third year, it all blew up. They went through three quarterbacks, and none of them played very well. And at that point, the reputation of the quarterback whisperer was in danger. Last year, Shea Patterson, transfer from Ole Miss, did quite well. This year, the first three games were pretty, pretty weak. Uh, today, of course, against Rutgers, he lit it up, but it's Rutgers, so it's very hard to say. Uh, next week, you're going to find out for sure. So I would say how Shea Patterson does this year will certainly have a lot to say with how that reputation holds up. Right behind Shea Patterson, there are two very good quarterbacks. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey's brother, and he's got all the tools. He's big, he's fast, got a good arm and all that. He's clearly the heir apparent as quarterback, and some were saying maybe even this year if Shea didn't work out. So he's right on the heels of Shea Patterson, and behind him is a guy, with Joe, a guy named Joe Milton with a cannon. He had scored a touchdown today, both passing and running. Um, so how these three guys do would probably have a lot to do with Jim's reputation. If they all blow up, then the reputation is probably uh, in danger. But my guess is they come through. Fair enough. Um, Ann Arbor is uh, – I've only visited. I've never lived there. I've uh, come, seen a game, got, got a dodge. Uh, but it's a great <laughs> – college football town. We've got a bunch of them across America. It's not a major metropolis, but it's a large enough city, and the college is the town. They have stuck, for the most part, behind Harbaugh. Is this year going to be the make-or-break year, or is it next year? Depends on, I mean, as far as him actually pulling it off. Him being able to keep the natives from burning down the house. Another great question, and once again, I'm a bit wimpy here, Jody. I can't quite give any of these questions black and white because they're too right. um, they're opinion too questions. complicated, right? Sure. I would say in this case, um, the national media, the national fans have been after Harbaugh from the start pretty much, kind of a lightning rod, certainly after the last few games. Um, but the fans are by and large with them. Probably about 10 or 15% were grumbling before the Wisconsin game. That might have doubled after that game. It was worse than a loss. It was bad enough to make people doubt that Harbaugh could pull the whole thing off. Things have calmed down a bit after today, but Iowa, Michigan State, Notre Dame, all ranked teams, uh, and Ohio State, of course. They've got four or five left, Penn State. Um, you'll know pretty soon. I do think by the end of the season, uh, the majority of the fan base will either be strongly with him if he pulls it off, or he'll probably get more heat from the fan base than he ever has if things go south. Um, and honestly, with this team, it's hard to say. You've got a new offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis, who was grinding the gears the first three games, but today, of course, got it together. But again, I, no, no insult to Rutgers, but I'm sorry, it's Rutgers. You can't pin too much on this. Uh, my guess is if you beat Michigan State and you beat Ohio State, not much else matters with the fan base. Those two games right there will go a long, long way to keep on his side. Um, but I heard boos at the Army game. I had boo, heard boos at the Middle Tennessee State game. So... It is not true that because you're at a college town and Michigan fans, by and large, love Jim Harbaugh, that you get a free pass. So if they lose to Iowa, expect to hear some boos. If they lose to Michigan State at home, expect to hear a lot of boos. Uh, that's, that's where the fan base is now, I would say. The name of the book is Overtime, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan Wolverine Program. At the crossroads of college football, a fun and insightful read. Uh, Arthur John U. Bacon, good enough to join us. John, thank you. Have yourself a good Saturday night, and best of luck with the book. Sounds great, Jody. A bestseller as of two weeks ago, number 13. And 
Next time you're in town, you give me a shout. I'll get you down to Zingerman's and the Brown Jug. We'll do it right. Very good. My pleasure. John Bacon here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.